people who love numbers are gonna love this, along with people who are interested in solar insulation. Sunday, June 11th, 2023. You are listening to Weather with Enthusiasm. People who love numbers, they're going to love this part. We're going to go with June 21st. So the sun is coming down at a 90 degree angle for cities which are about 23.5 degrees north latitude or so. What angle is the sun coming down at the Arctic Circle? Let's just say it's 67.5 degrees north latitude. So the way to figure that out is you do 67.5 minus 23.5. You get uh, 67, so you go 57, um, you do, right, 57, 47, 44.5, I think that's 44 degrees. That's 44 degrees. There's a 44 degrees in terms of the angle. That's the difference between the 90 degrees that's at the northern edge of the tropics to the Arctic Circle. So you do 90 degrees minus 44, and you come up with 46 degrees. The sun is coming at an angle at noon, or 1 o'clock, at 46 degrees in the sky, which is not so high, but that's what's happening at the Arctic Circle. That's about the strength of the sun during the months of March and September in Chicago. It's about that, because figure, during those months, the sun is at the equator, that's zero degrees. Chicago is 40, I believe it's 40 degrees north latitude. So, you have a difference, it's 90 degrees at the equator, 40 degrees here. So the difference, okay, zero degrees to 40 degrees is the difference of 40 degrees in north latitude. So 90 minus 40, it's 50. Okay, so in Chicago, it's 50 degrees. It comes down at a 50 degree angle on March 21st and September 21st. In the Arctic Circle, it's lower. It's coming down at a 46 degrees uh, angle. That's what's coming down. Okay, let's take this up to the North Pole. So the North Pole, you have North Pole is at 90 degrees north latitude. The sun is at 23.5 degrees north latitude. So 90 minus 23 is 67. It's about 66.5 degree difference between the northern tropics and the North Pole. So six, the northern tropics, the sun is coming down at a 90 degree angle. So subtract 66.5 from 90 degrees you end up with 24, 23.5 degrees. So the sun is coming down at a 20, that's really low in the sky, 23.5 degree angle. 
The sun is coming down at a 20 at noon, 23.5 degree angle, but it's at that angle 24 hours for a full 24 hours. At the Arctic Circle, it's coming down at a 46 degree angle, but it's only doing that for the I don't know. It's only doing that for a certain period of time, and then it it goes down. It doesn't go completely down, but it does go pretty far down. It's 46.5 during the peak, but then it drops to very low. I don't know what the measurement would be. I don't know. We can make up a number. It goes down to maybe 10 degree angle. But at the North Pole, although it never reaches 46 degrees, it never goes that far into the sky, but it never gets lower than 23.5. So... How do, how do we this all? How do you calculate all this? So the solar insu- amazingly, the National Weather Service has this solar insulation chart, and it tells you exactly what's going on, and it tells you that on June 21st, they're actually the most solar insulation is occurring at the North Pole. Now 23.5 sounds really low. For the sun to come down at a 23.5 degree angle, that sounds really low. But I wanted to say it's ex- pretty much exactly what it's like in Chicago, December 21st. And let's just figure it out right here to get more of an exact number. Chicago, again, is 40 degrees north latitude. On December 21st, the sun is holding at 23.5 degrees south latitude. So you take 40 degrees and you add 23.5, you get to 63.5 degrees. So there's a 63.5 degree difference between Chicago and where the sun is directly overhead. It's coming down at a 90 degree angle. So 90 minus 63.5 is 26.5. So in Chicago, December 21st, the sun is coming down at a 26.5 degree angle. At the North Pole, it's less it's only at 23.5 degrees, only at 23.5. Uh, the difference would be approximately the strength of the sun in Memphis to Chicago. Memphis, December 20. No, it, so the difference would be like Memphis to Chicago. I'm thinking Memphis because these are cities that I've been to, but really it would be probably more like international falls you know chicago is for you have to figure a city that's at 43 degrees north latitude maybe minneapolis is at 43 degrees north latitude i i don't know so so that would be probably similar the north pole is probably similar to something like minneapolis or international falls something like that it's probably similar to that I mean, figure St. Louis is two. De- there's a two degree difference in latitude between St. Louis and Chicago, so it's a 300 miles. Let's say 300 miles north of Chicago. It's probably less because uh, you have to do the. It's 300 miles, but the highways driving is 300 miles. So let's say 200 miles north of uh, maybe Milwaukee, Green Bay. I don't know somewhere around there. That's okay now. So think about if we were to have a December sun, December 21st, and if you were to have that for a full 24 hours, how hot would it be? Okay, so it's a good question. How hot would it be? And there's no night. And let's say you're coming off from summer. Let's say we were to skip. We go from 
July, we go straight into de- uh, December, tw- uh, continuous sunshine, low in the sky. The ultraviolet index is a one. I believe it. the max is a one. It never gets higher than a one. Recently, I think I saw a two, but it could very well be at the North Pole. It's always a one in the summer. That's possible in terms of the ultraviolet index. So 23.5 says the National Weather Service is high enough in the sky to produce significant heating if you have a 24-hour day. And in fact, that's the winter, and there's no place on Earth that has higher solar insulation than the North Pole on June 21st. But only for June 21st and for maybe a couple days in each direction. That quickly changes. It's only June 21st where you have the sun at 23.5 degrees north latitude for the full 24 hours, more or less. Once you don't have it for the full 24 hours, things rapidly decline. So we have a situation where you have two peaks. As you go north, you have the tropical sun. Tropical sun is always, it's always efficient heating. It brings tends to bring temperatures. There tends to be humidity. At least the areas that I look at, there tends to be humidity. Temperatures tend to go into the 90s. That's a common thing to see in tropical places. Temperatures in the 90s when there's humidity. Temperatures in the hundreds when there's no humidity. As you go north, as you hit 40. Okay. So the next question. We're going to delve a little bit deeper here. And here's another another wrench, another twist, something to throw in here. So according to what we just said, one could conclude that the hottest temperatures, one might think that the hottest temperature will always occur exactly where the most solar insulation is according to that chart from the National Weather Service. So, June 21st. Well, it happened uh, back in the heat wave, the historical heat wave at the end of June. It happened. Light in Canada hit 121 degrees. These were all places which were receiving the second most, we'll say approximately the second most solar, the second peak. We have peak number one is June 21st. Peak number two is at 44 degrees north latitude. I don't know if the Arctic, it could be 44 degrees north latitude is equivalent to the Arctic Circle. We have to, we would have to look into the solar insulation chart from the National Weather Service. So it happens. But generally speaking, it doesn't happen. That, that was something called historical. And the question is, why should that be historical? That should be something that occurs every year. The sun is strongest over there. So here's the reason why it does not occur every year. The reason is because it takes the Earth about three weeks, some even say four weeks, to respond to this the intent to the increased heating of the sun. Things are not instant. There's a lot to heat up. So it's kind of like 
if you go into a room and you put the oven on or you put a heater on it full blast for 20 minutes and then after 20 minutes let's say you walk into the room and it's 55 degrees you walk into a bedroom it's 55 degrees you put a heater on it full blast let's just say for 10 minutes okay so the temperature goes up to 65 degrees or the temperature maybe even goes up to 70 degrees then you put it on low so then the temperature continues to go up only by a little bit by a little bit but the temperature continues to go up just it doesn't go up as quickly 71 degrees 72 degrees so what happens is is the temperatures continue to go up up to about three maybe even four weeks if you're by a body of water it could be longer the water it takes the water probably another three additional weeks to respond. Some might say, so you end up, the water might respond six weeks later. If it's a lake, by an ocean, maybe even eight weeks. Some say longer. By some places, it's even longer. Some say the ocean water temperatures reach their peak around September 7th for the Northern Hemisphere. So that's far off from June 21st. But here in Chicago, Lake Michigan reaches its peak in August. So it's about six weeks later. In regards to the peak heating, it occurs about three weeks after June 21st. Maybe four weeks, three to four weeks. Okay, so, so now that becomes more complicated. And... I don't have a comprehensive chart right now to be able to figure out exactly where the hottest, which area for those three weeks. You, you have to take, so at this point, what you have to do is you have to add up, let's say three weeks is 21 days, four weeks is 28 days. So come up with a, take, what, what you have to do is figure out how much solar insulation is within a city, take the amount of solar insulation per day for 25 days and come up with the average and give that number to the city and then do that for different cities. So the place which is gonna receive the highest solar insulation when you do it that way is not gonna be 44 degrees north latitude. It's going to be Let's assume it's going to be probably 36 degrees north latitude because you figure the sun moves about 8 degrees every month. And let's just make sure this is right. Because in March 21st, it's at 23.5 degrees. April 21st, let's pretend it's 8 degrees. Let's see if it works out. At March 21st, it's at 0 degrees at the equator. By June 21st, it's at 23.5. Let's round it up to 24. Just You have three months. So over a three-month period, it travels about 24 degrees. So it's about 8 degrees a month. To, to make it easy, let's just say instead of three weeks, let's say it's four. Let's say it takes four weeks for the Earth to respond. Some say three weeks. I've, I've seen articles that have said four weeks. Some say three weeks. But to make this nice and easy, let's say it's four weeks. So... The sun travels at 8 degrees. So if you're at 36 degrees north latitude, how long of a period of time are you at 
maximum solar insulation within eight degrees. Within eight, so, okay, you're 36 degrees north latitude. That's Death Valley, California. So, they, so May 21st, that's going to be the place with maximum solar insulation and July 21st, May 21st and July 21st. June 21st will be the same as April 21st and August 21st. So let's say April 21st to August 21st, they are receiving, if you were to go from April 21st to August 21st, take the average, it's possible the solar insulation will be highest over around 36 degrees north latitude. It might not because the solar insulation is significantly less when the sun is at 36 degrees north latitude, meaning it's, it might be highest in the world, but it's still less than what it would be on June 21st at 44 degrees north latitude. But the, the point is that the areas receiving the most solar insulation over a three to four week period, that's not going to be 44 degrees north latitude. And in order to get the hottest temperatures, you have to be in an area which is receiving the most solar insulation for a three to four week period. You also have to be under a weather pattern where you have a stagnant air mass, like a heat dome, which happens to be situated over your city. If you happen to have that, in a place which is 44 degrees north latitude, it would make sense to say that temperatures are going to, temperatures could very well reach levels that we've never seen before. Especially if you get that air mass over there long enough. In, in the southwest Canada heat wave, they, we came close to that, but we didn't see that. Like in Canada reached 121 degrees, it did not beat Death Valley's 134 degrees. It didn't. But I suppose you could have a situation, this might sound shocking, but this is just, the way I just explained it, this would be, this simple, if you have an air mass that is situated over that area long enough, you should be able to get temperatures higher than 134. Now, you also have to realize, however, that there's no place over there that has an elevation as low as Death Valley. If you're not as low as Death Valley, it will be about 10 degrees cooler. Like Phoenix, Arizona tends to be about 10 degrees cooler than Death Valley. So you should be able to get a temperature of 124. Well, you know what? They got up to 121. That's close enough. So that's pretty much what happened. That's exactly what happened. You got a stagnant air mass over the part of the world which is receiving... If you exclude the Arctic, this part is receiving the most solar insulation ever in the world. So you got a major, major heat wave. We don't even have to come on to the greenhouse. We, uh, okay, as of now, according to the way I explained it, we don't even have to come on to the greenhouse gases. We don't have to come on to that. The, you could say the greenhouse gases, some say that it upped the temperature by a, a couple degrees. A recent article I read said it could up the temperature up to three to maybe even five degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, maybe yes, it, 
the couple degrees sounds more reasonable to me. And that was the couple degrees was said by a meteorologist who lives in the Northwest Pacific. So he's more of an expert on the weather over there. So instead of 121, it would have been 119. But either way, it would have been a freak occurrence. But the freak occurrence makes perfect sense. You could clearly explain it in a scientific way. It has a scientific explanation to it. Okay, now, what would happen if you were to get such an air mass somewhere in the Arctic at around June 21st? Would the temperature be able to reach, let's say, 121 degrees? If you have a city below sea level, which Astrakhan is below sea level, but that place is not the Arctic. It's in Russia, it's not the Arctic. So, what would happen? So, here's the problem. The place receiving the 526 units of solar insulation at the North Pole, that place is all ice. And ice does not absorb heat. In fact, that place is frozen ocean. So, therefore, it's going to be cold there. That reflects 90, 80 to 90 percent of the sun back to outer space. So, that place is not available to us. We're not going to see hundreds at the North Pole. What we have to do is we would have to go to a place which is in the Arctic, but the ground is able to absorb heat to a maximum level and it has to be a place which is far enough it has to be a place that's situated within a heat dome and there's no part of the heat dome that is touching ice if you can get that up in the arctic the temperatures can get very high how high so that Let's say we have Death Valley, the max 134, Lightning Canada 121. If you were to get that type of a setup up by the Arctic Circle, so it's it's difficult to figure out because the air mass as a whole, there's gonna the air masses could be a thousand miles large. So the air mass as a whole, there's going to be a lot of the air mass which is not going to be in an area which is getting tremendous solar insulation. Nonetheless, it still can get extremely hot. So I don't know. I don't you know, the places up there are getting more there are places up there getting more solar insulation than at 44 degrees north latitude which do not have ice on the surface. But you need a lot more variables to come together. In in an ideal situation, I would think you probably could get to 121. But But the situation would have to be completely perfect for it to hit 121. But in a, let's say, less than ideal, it's not completely perfect. So... Whatever the temperatures are, we're seeing that's what that's what it is. So this is how we get temperatures in the low hundreds. I'll tell you one other thing. There's freak occurrences, and these freak occurrences tend to have temperatures 15 degrees warmer than anything that ever happened. 
for example, the Dust Bowl years, this has nothing to do with... This is just... The world has always been this way. Like, there'll be just this freak occurrence where the temperature is just 15 to 20 degrees warmer than anything that's happened. So you have to see... Let's go back to 2020. and go back to that 100-degree reading that occurred in the Arctic. You have to see... Was that a record-shattering temperature? Did it Was the old record like 84? And this was record-shattering? If that's true, then the, that 100 was the freak occurrence. But if it wasn't record-shattering, then sometime in the future, we will see a freak occurrence, which is going to produce temperatures in the 110s in portions of the Arctic that have no snow and are under a stagnant air mass around June 21st, and the air mass is not touching areas of snow, and you have clear skies. There's one, at least one other thing that I want to point out that I think is important to point out, but let's just let that sink in for a minute before we go on to the next segment. Okay, we now go on to, we're gonna go a little bit deeper over here. This whole thing of the records is different than the months where we see the highest average temperature. The hottest month in the Northern Hemisphere, places north of the tropics, generally speaking, is the month of July. Okay, at the same time, when you go up north, the places which have the highest chance, the month, the time of the year that has the highest chance of seeing extreme temperatures is going to be June 21st right around June 21st or very close to it. We see that. The Pacific Northwest, we, we've been seeing that a lot. But in the Arctic, we also see that. Even though July, in these cities, July might be the warmest month when you average it all out. But in regards to extreme heat, the thing is, if you were to get a stagnant air mass up in the Arctic around July 21st, the solar insulation July 21st is much lower then June 21st, and I don't really think anything could happen, especially by August. By I remember by the end of August already, things go back to normal. In a, the, the, the highest solar insulation is occurring down south. It's no longer up in the north. And by July 21st, it's, very, it's close to that. So th- there's really not that much solar insulation up there. There still might be more up there than down south, but realize a lot of cold air aloft. There's a lot of things that has to be heated. So this really has to happen right around June 21st. Generally speaking, there is somewhat at least of a progressive weather pattern. Things are moving. And when things are moving, so we're not going to be seeing extreme heat. Therefore, the average temperatures are highest in the month of July. But in a situation where the air mass becomes stagnant, so then, and it's around June 21st, that's when we're going to see the most extreme heat in the northern latitudes. 
You've been listening to the podcast, Weather with Enthusiasm.